Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, Dr. Batar is with us. It's Advanced Medicine Monday. Just want to be sure that you don't trip over anybody's IV line getting to the radio show today, Dr. Batar. I know how busy you are. Actually, today would be one of those unusual days that that could very realistically happen, Robert. <laughs> yeah, I just had a sense about it, but I'm glad you're here with us because the world needs the message coming through you and all that we do together with Advanced Medicine Monday and, of course, the Medical Rewind, the options on listening in. But we just had Independence Day celebration. i got to check in with you because we, we didn't even get to touch base before the show today. See how the family's doing? Did you get a little Independence Day activity going on? Believe it or not, this Independence Day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday were three of the busiest days uh, working on the farm because my empl- employees there uh, took off for the for an extended holiday. So we were like Farmer Brown. <laughs> they left uh, you with the camels. I'll tell you what, milking the cows was an experience that on my own because I've, I've never I've, I've never done it myself, and uh-huh. uh, it was actually pretty funny because you know everything that went great with the first cow, but then the second cow. I, I don't even know that we want to talk about this, but it's funny because you know they're swatting the flies with their tails. So the right. tail, there's a way to hold it, to tie the tail when you tie the back legs together to hold them still while you're milking them. Well, I couldn't quite figure out how to get her tail tied <laughs> the right way. So I tied there was a there's a rope that they had. So I tied the tail to the barn door to keep it extended. Well, oh, when no. she finished the grain and when she finished the milk, I you know the cows already know what they're supposed to do. So the cow turns around and I didn't have time to undo the tail. She goes walking out. She almost ripped the freaking barn door off. Oh, my gosh. Big Scout knots were really, really tight. I was pretty proud of that. Okay. I was thinking that uh, the cow looked at you and said, uh-uh, you ain't touching me there, Dr. Batar. We're going to, you oh, know. No, no, no. The cow seemed to enjoy that. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking the barn door closed right on you. But, uh, no, I'm glad you made it through that. But, yeah, it sounded like they left you holding the camel and the cow. So, Anyway, it was, that was great. I figured, you know, we'll open. We, I, I do obviously want to talk about some medical issues as well as we always do and travel not through. Talk about cows, milking cows, then? Well, we could. I mean, that's an independent story because you're actually producing food for your family. And I think that's a thing I hope other people are inspired to do ultimately that we, we move more toward local production of our own food. That's a message. And I talked last hour a little bit about the disappointment I have in my fellow Americans in living with a lot less liberty that I perceive would be right for people. Now, I know people have the freedom to choose, but I'm not much into authoritarianism, and I know you aren't either. Yeah, and, you know, it's not even so much the authoritarianism or the independent aspect, uh, the reason that I do it. It's just because I want to make sure my kids are getting clean food. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a basic thing, you know, that there's a, you look around for what, what you're looking around for and you find that nobody seems to have it so what's the only thing that you left with you have to create it yourself i mean to find and discover that there is no place in the entire state of north carolina that you can that you can buy non-gmo feed for your cattle it's just extraordinary in my mind Mm -hmm. we have to bring in non-gmo feed and i think we've talked about this on the air before from virginia right and uh you know so it's it's really it's amazing. I mean, we hear about GMO, non-GMO, and so we think, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a thing that we need to be concerned about. 
But then when you start finding out that, like in the entire freaking state of North Carolina, you can't find any place to buy to buy non-GMO feed for cattle. That means that everybody that's getting cattle uh, that's eating meat that's supplied from North Carolina or most of the other states, they're getting cattle that's been fed GMO, genetically modified. Uh, Grains. Grains. Yeah, typically. Yeah, you're right. And now I want to remind everybody listening, if you haven't ever met Dr. Batar or heard him speak, he's going to be with uh, me and TMB at, as well at the Healing Revolution Summit in Asheville, North Carolina. I think it's a couple hours from Charlotte by car. But, uh, you know, one of the things Dr. King has is also he has bison and camels, and he's got enough land where they're actually free grazing. And I know he's not feeding them grain, but you're right. Most of the cattle production in, in North Carolina is probably not going to be free grazing. Exactly. It's, it's not. And even if it is uh, free grazing, they usually supplement it with some type of feed. Mm-hmm. Because we have ours free grazing, but we also supplement with feed. Because with dairy cattle, they have a lot of uh, requirements for energy. And so there's just not, you know, to get the milk richer, um, you usually, I mean, the typical way is to, to supplement with uh, some type of grain. And so we have a, a combination of grains that we feed the cows. And, uh, and the milk is just, you know, extraordinary. But again, the issue is that if you can't get the non-GMO feed and then the cattle need this, where, by definition, where is the poison coming from? Where is, you know, it, in other words, what I'm saying is it's very, very difficult from us, for our, from our perspective, that we talk about it. But then when you, when you go to the store, how many people actually go to the store and they don't think about it anymore? Because you expect it to be labeled. You expect it to, well, it's certainly if I go to Whole Foods or I go to Earth Fair, I'm not going to have to worry about getting uh, GMO-type foods. And yet now we're finding out that many of these health food places actually have their, their, um, the things that they're supplying to the general public under the pretense of being clean or organic, but it's still ge- uh, genetically modified. Right, right. Now, I know in the nine, the nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, of course, you go extensively into cleaning up the diet of people that come to see you. And I imagine that they, by the time they're wanting to become your patient, you're, you're going to counsel them on this stuff or have them read and acknowledge and understand you can't be eating these genetically modified foods and expect to be healthy or cancer-free long-term. Right. And see, the problem, Robert, is that even the people like you and I that are well-versed in this, right, mm-hmm. and that understand the importance of this, when you go to buy your groceries at a health food store, like Earth Fair or something, right. you expect to be able to, to, you're not going to have to worry about that kind of stuff, and yet it is there. Even even things that are certified organic, you know, what is it, and I think California, they can use human waste uh, and still, uh, to, as a fertilizer, and still call it organic. The, the, the there are, so, yeah, there are some failings to the federal legislation or, 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 or regulation of it, and yet... Why, why I was praising you in this instance, talking about the cow and producing your own food for your own kids like you described, is that it's the only way you can gain that level of control unless you can verify and validate every layer of food production before it gets to you, which is, again, one thing is better than zero things to have that control of. Ten is better than one, you know, and it's like moving more towards that local production, getting to know your farmer, or better yet, becoming your farmer. Yeah, and I think it's probably important for everybody to realize this, but again, I've had patients that are very, very proactive, very uh, interested in optimizing their health, very responsible, but they are, you know, they tell me that how are you, I don't have a farm, I don't have time for a farm, I've got, you know, I'm running my business, whatever the case is, how do I do this? And it's a tough question. I, I honestly don't know. How do you do this? How does, how does everybody do this? It's 
It's a very tough question. Yeah, well, it's part of the things I know we'll be talking about at the Healing Revolution Summit when, you know, we're also talking about healing the healers. Because if we, if we're not well ourselves, this would be very difficult to help those who are coming to us in need. Uh, and, you know, the case in point, if you go to a doctor who is morbidly obese, you question, it's like, well, is this doctor really a legitimate doctor to help me to, to get well? It's like you, you look at these folks that are trying to help you. You better be sure that they know how to eat well, how to live well, how to be clean and, of course, not be ravaged with diseases and GMOs. Yeah, and, you know, this is a very, very significant point, in my opinion. You and I have talked about this, I know, off the air. I don't think mm-hmm. we've ever talked on the air regarding the subject. But I've had many people say that it's not fair to look at a doctor's own health and uh, use that as a indicator uh, as to how effective of a physician they are because it's, it's not a fair assessment. I actually got in an argument with this about this very subject with my own uncle, mm-hmm. uh, who's a physician. And I, I actually think that everybody is different. Everybody's health is going to be different. Everybody's genetic predisposition, biological individuality is going to dictate, you know, how they're going to respond to certain types of environmental triggers, etc. I get all that, obviously, but I do believe that it's very difficult to expect a patient to do certain things like staying fit and staying lean and uh, keeping, uh, you know, a a decent um, height weight, proportionate body weight uh, and, and not smoke cigarettes when they're doctor is an obese person with cigarette ashes on his lab coat and it looks like the most exercise he ever got was you know when he got out from his car to pick up a six-pack at the gas station before he got home or something to that extent right meaning that as a physician and we've talked about this on the air to mm-hmm. meaning of being a physician means that you were to teach you know that's our, that's yes. our primary mandate I mean, I is it is it unreasonable dr batar to say you should be somewhat of an example a living example not a dead one of course <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. And, and you're a living example. But, I mean, I'm surprised. And, you know, for everybody that's listening, I really eat clean. But when I'm with Robert, I'm shocked at how clean he eats. I mean, I'll go there and I'm like, I'll order Euro. And Robert will look at me and he'll, like, say, no, I'm my own thing. I mean, Am I looking at you with squirrely eyes judging you and getting all in your face? No. No, no you didn't. You didn't. And, you know, but, again, it's like uh, Buddha said, we should take every opportunity we can to preach and never open our mouths. And and I was I looked at how you were eating and I'd eat pretty doggone clean mm-hmm. but and I saw how you were carrying your own food and you know in my world I thought to myself that's a little too extreme and then I thought <laughs> that's but then people are going to say that about me because I'm milking my own cows and that's exactly right. what it is. It is extreme. But you have to be extreme to be able to keep yourself clean and I I'm I was pretty impressed, Robert. I mean, that, that had an Im- that had an impact on me. That was, I think, in Philadelphia when we went out to eat. I think that, right, was right, that? yes, yeah. When my mom and dad were there, and we uh, you met them, and we sat down in that little uh, place, that little yeah. I'm place. sure your mom and dad said, "Who's that crazy guy you had speaking at that uh, advanced medicine seminar?" I don't know about him. They were probably thinking I was a crazy guy, so don't, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> yes. Well, the thing is, it's true. We all have, you know, listen, I'm not milking my own cow yet. I, You know, I'd like to eventually. We're working toward that kind of concept, but at the same time, encourage people to do the best that they can at any given moment. And because I suffered as much, and I've told this story many times over the years, it, it means the world to me to be well, to feel this this well. And it means I have to do these things because I'm not willing to feel anything less than that if I can, you know, have any control over it. And I, and I found out that was one area I did genuinely have control. And, you know, I'll tell you, going on further to 
build upon that point is once you've actually achieved a certain level of health, especially if you weren't healthy before, yeah. it's addictive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, you, it feels too good to feel good that you don't yes. want to do things that are going to be, uh, that are going to undermine that. Right. Health. And you're bringing it back to my point. We've got to take a break here, but about liberty. If you've never lived truly free, your perception of freedom will be somewhat less than perhaps what the founding fathers described to be freedom. And I've studied it intensely, and that's why I'm a stickler for not only the way I eat, but the way I perceive freedom and try to teach others. And Dr. Batar is also an inspiration in his own right. Go get the nine steps to keep the doctor away, international bestseller. Or come on down to the Healing Revolution Summit. We'll be together. You can get him to sign a copy. Also, unlock the power to heal by me and TMB. Stick around. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, if you ever miss an Advanced Medicine Monday segment or whole show, for goodness sake, if you're still traveling and listening to this on the go, whatever, you can download it. And, of course, one of the easiest places to go is medicalrewind.com. And there are hundreds of hours now, Dr. Batar and I, uh, uh, waxing not so poetically about things, laughing a bit, getting outraged a bit as well. And, uh, you know, post-Independence Day weekend, talking about things on all levels as we do, Dr. Batar. And I don't know, we can, we can go anywhere today. I've given a thro- few stories off the uh, over during the break there. I don't know if you want to hit any of those or just keep keep carrying on. No, I think that that uh, story about the CDC, the 131 causes of death uh, that are, I, I don't know how you phrased it, but approved by the CDC that are acceptable, but vaccines. Yeah, they're sanctioned. It, actually, it said 130. Now, you've said it right, 131, but they list 130. They, they miss one. There's a big glaring error. And it says there are 130 official ways for an infant to die. Uh, and they're sanctioned by the CDC, the WHO, and they're published in something called the International Classification of Diseases, the ICD. So when a baby dies, tragedy as it might be, the coroners have to choose from the 130 categories, and that's it. And and guess what they left off the list? Vaccines. Death by vaccines, exactly. And how can they how can they actually acknowledge 130 and not 131 when our own federal government, whether you love them or hate them, acknowledges through the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act and the program that children do die from vaccines. So how is that not one of the listed uh, uh, causes of death? I, I think I can answer that. And Go for I it. I think this is a cynical answer, but I bet you that if they added that one, they could probably remove the other, about half of the other ones. Wow. Oh, that's a statement. I didn't expect that, but you're right. How much death, much less chronic disease, is associated directly, or maybe they'd say indirectly somehow, with the act, a violent act, I might add, of piercing the skin of these infants, these innocent babies, with chemical cocktails and heavy metals that if you put into their glass of milk, hopefully milked by Dr. Batar, if you added that in, you could be charged as a criminal for attempting to harm or maybe even murder a baby. Yet they inject it on a, you know, on a, on a daily basis, uh, these, these physicians, these pediatricians. Yeah, it's very, very sad that it's, not being acknowledged, but again, it, you know, how can you expect the body 
that created the problem to actually acknowledge that they created the problem. Einstein's definition of insanity was that, you know, to expect, you cannot expect the same mindset that created the issue in the first place to actually solve that issue. And so you can't expect that the CDC that created this issue with the vaccines would actually be able to solve the issue with the, with the vaccines. They can't acknowledge vaccines as a cause of death because they're the ones that have propagated. They've, they've, you know, if a if child dies of some type of cardiac anomaly, well, they were born with that. You know, if they died of uh, some type of traumatic death, well, that was a motor vehicle accident. You know, things happen. But yeah. you can't acknowledge a cause of death that would probably, as a, and I wasn't being sarcastic, and Robert, you already know that, yeah. probably half that list could be attributed, uh, could be removed because vaccines would elicit that type of a change. For example, when you talk about mitochondrial dysfunction, and a lot of the children that have gotten compensation, a lot of families that got compensation under the um, the vaccine compensation uh, injury act or whatever that was called. But yeah, the program, yes. The program, right. When you look at those families that got some compensation, they always make sure they stipulate that that wasn't because of the vaccine causing any type of uh, reaction that would be considered uh, vaccine-related. It was because they had an underlying mitochondrial defect that may have had a relationship to the individual getting the vaccine. Whereas, in fact, the mitochondrial defect is being caused by mercury, by thimerosal, by many of these other metals. And by definition, 75 to 80 percent of these kids will actually show those mitochondrial defects start to begin forming after the introduction of these preservatives in the vaccines. So when you say, oh, well, this is a rare mitochondrial defect, that's a load of rubbish. They all yeah. have mitochondrial defects, and it's not rare because the, the vaccine is causing them. Well, and how many children we've been covering, and Super Don, you know this too, the, the interviews with these moms, the can of moms and things, that these kids or the kids that are taken by hospitals in collusion with state child protective services to say, oh my gosh, they have a mitochondrial disease, and then, then another group says, we disagree, We're oh, it's medical abuse, the parents are abusing the kids because they're not paying attention to what this hospital says, and all of these things, as Dr. Batar just said, may have indeed, most likely been started by the pediatricians so willing to inject these kids with toxic poisons that if you made your child drink, you would definitely and should be held for some form of chemical child abuse. Stick around. We've got lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rasha Bittar, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com. It's linked up in the show notes as well. And hope to see you in Asheville, North Carolina next weekend. We'll be right back. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. Ladies and gentlemen, you're such a wonderful crowd. We'd like to play a little tune for you. It's one of my personal favorites. Health. What? Freedom. What? Liberty. What? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Oh. Health. What? Freedom. What? Liberty. What? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Yeah. Hey, if you want to experience some of that health, freedom, and healing liberty, why don't you join TMB, RSB, and... DRB for Dr. B, Dr. Bitsar, at the Healing Revolution Summit in Asheville, North Carolina. That's uh, the 18th through the 20th, and we're hey, all our families hey, road trip. What's that? What does TMB stand for? The Monkey Boy? The Monkey Boy? No, Ty Bollinger, <laughs> the Monkey Boy. 
Oh, oh no! Ow, that's going to hurt on Wednesday, Doctor Batar. Ah, uh, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the monkey boy. Oh, Ty, if you're listening, he's like ready. He's going to call in. <laughs> He has no life, so he's always listening. He's got nothing better to do. Okay. I, <laughs> I forgot. Sorry I mentioned it. Okay. But, yeah, you are, I, unless you think of something better, you, to match up the three letters like we've done, you are DRB for Dr. Batar. Uh, that's actually what my staff calls me, Dr. B, so. Dr. B. Excellent. No, that works. That really works. Hey, there's, a, you know, another follow-up on the vaccine story. We talked about the, the causes of death, and they're not listing vaccines, even though, of course, it's acknowledged uh, to be a cause of death. Uh, this story, it says about violence. Violence has replaced infectious disease as a leading killer in people under 30. And I'm thinking, violence? I, I mean, I understand we live in a violent world. Violent. I mean, there, there are things that are you know not to our desire in terms of peaceful nature that we'd love everybody to be more. But... Violence has replaced infectious disease as a leading killer of people under 30. Is this vaccine related too? Could there be a possibility? I think it absolutely is, Robert. Look at the National Vaccine Initiative, which began in 1991, and we are now in 2014, so that's 23 years ago. Uh, so, you know, even people being born as far back as 1980, what would that be, 1984, you know, if you're under 30, 1984 would be the date of birth. So I think that as these, as this population is becoming more and more that under 30 age group, you know, 20, what is that, 22, 23 year olds were born when the National Vaccine Initiative started in 1991. It definitely is correlated. And, I, you know, cancer, heart disease, all these things we're seeing an increase in the incidence in the younger patient population. I made this comment over 10 years ago at a, at a medical conference, but now you're adding this violent aspect and how is the violence relate to other chronic diseases, while well, violence, we're throwing off the neurochemistry, if you're throwing off impulse control, you're creating other types of neurological uh, implications here. Um, you know, this is, this is actually a natural sequela of what's going to happen. Right. Well, uh, speaking of violence, uh, Ty Bollinger, <laughs> yeah, he says he says DRB uh, stands for deranged radical blabbermouth. Oh, oh, it's on, Doctor Batar. Wow! <laughs> you know listen, listen, to, listen to this. I mean, what kind of what kind of attack is that? DRB, Doctor B. My staff has been using that for eighteen years, and I made that. Listen, didn't I say that he's going to be listening because he has no life? Look at look at that. How many <laughs> times? How many times have I? responded back within a week of, of Ty saying something versus Ty responding within literally 30 seconds. Oh, get ready for the rumble in the southern Appalachian jungle. He says it's on like Donkey Kong. Oh, this is going to add to the mix of fun we're going to have when we're at the Healing Revolution Summit. Ty. I don't even have to do anything with Ty. Remember in Panama, I was just standing there and Ty bit the dust and ate up the First layers of by by the way, we we've got word that the hotel has banned both of you from the golf carts on the course there. So you're gonna have to walk the course. That's okay. I don't play golf anyway. <laughs> no worries. Listen, we're gonna have a great time. I'm so looking forward to all of us getting together and uh, bringing on the healing uh, for all those who are ready and receiving some just by being in each other's presence because it's the you know the energy that we carry uh, that also is is you know uh, the essence of of the healing too so we're looking forward to all being together but this as you're talking about this i was just going to ask you i didn't mean to interrupt your thought but is there any way that you can type on skype na 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 to uh the monkey boy 
Well, he can hear you say it, so oh, okay. I don't think I have to type it. <laughs> so oh. just, yeah, say it again now. Say it again so we aren't interrupted. Say it. Ready? Go. See it? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> All right. That, that is so mature of you, Dr. Batar. Very, very impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, the kids are laughing. I know they're laughing. So, uh, oh, my gosh. Well, you know, on to this, uh, the, the violent story replacing infectious disease. You know, one of the, uh, I think the book's, I think maybe it was even by Harris Coulter that wrote a lot about the vaccines and violence, in fact, that he acknowledged that vaccination is a vi- one of the first violent acts. And we're not talking about slapping a baby's bottom, you know, to get them to breathe, as, as sometimes that was done in, in, in the medical circles, but literally to pierce the skin and the way they do with these toxic poisons. It sets the stage for you have come into a violent world and you better be getting ready. And, I, and of course, all of the other deleterious impacts that heavy metals may have, as well as the depletion of nutrients as well, all of these can impact on the ability, the higher cognition, the higher functions, the limiting access on, you know, let's say, homicidal or suicidal tendencies and things like that. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. But here's another point that I just thought of, too. Do you mm-hmm. remember the Price-Pottinger cat study? Oh yeah, and feeding the the, uh, uh, the pasteurized milk to the cats. How it generationally what happened? Right by the third fourth generation, increase in violence and antisocial behavior, along with the cardiovascular disease and the cancer incidence. So we're talking about a lack of nutrition. What's happening in our human population? Because we're now in about the fourth generation, like the price Pottinger cats were, where where milk has been homogenized and pasteurized and and raw meat and all this you know all the different components where all the positive beneficial enzymes have been destroyed from the foods. So we're starting to see that. And on top of that, now you add the vaccine uh, assault. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder that violence is now the number one cause of death in under a 30-year population. It's no surprise. Yeah, and, it, and it's sad. Like I said, if you, if you believe in peace, we also acknowledge the right to keep and bear arms to defend ourselves, but not to be uh, going in where we don't belong into other people's territories. If they act violently when they're trying to repel us from their property, I mean, we acknowledge their right to do so. Uh, unlike our government, which seems to have lost that uh, insight, and of course, many of the American people, if they follow the lead of government, and if they learn how to be uh, behave from government, they're going to be violating the rights of everybody everywhere. You're absolutely right, Robert. And so this is one of the things that we have to become more uh, cognizant of as a society and start looking at things like the price pottinger cast study, which was done, what, in the 1920s, 1930s, something a like that? A long time ago, yeah. And, and, and yeah, that, that how poor diet can impact your ability to interact with other humans, much less as an animal. But uh, in this case, a violent society has also been, uh, let's say, brought on us by the violence of medicine, if you will, the way it's practiced in the 20th and 21st century. Yeah, and knowing how all this has been kind of orchestrated, it's hard to believe that it's accidental or coincidental. Right, exactly. Well, listen, you know, we, we do appreciate science when it's real, not like the pseudoscience that comes out in much of the peer-reviewed literature that is 20, 30 years behind, and then we go, oh, they were wrong back then? Yeah, they're wrong now. They finally acknowledge it and switch it around, whether it be about butter, cholesterol, etc. Uh, but, you know, we're on the subject of children today, and, of course, we have kids, you have kids, I have kids, uh, TMB has kids, and we talk about that. And I'm just, you know, we want to help you out out there if you're not real clear about things that could, uh, let's say, create disease or create health. And so we go to the scientific literature today, and we find, find a study that, that reveals something that's so uh, patently obvious that a fourth grader would get it. And that's why it's today's 
moment of duh. What are you people? On dope? <laughs> Amalgamated Association of Morons. Local 6 and 7 8. You're crazy! What is your major malfunction? Yes, today's moment of duh brought to you by doctors who give high energy stimulants to children and expect them to become meditative gurus. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> New data published, Dr. Batar, in the Journal of Child and Adolescent Psychopharmacology suggests, just suggests, it's not definitive, but guess what? That stimulant drugs like Ritalin and Adderall may accelerate heart disease that might not be detected until later in their life. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's definitely a moment of duh. I actually, when you're doing the break, when you ask me if we've ever done that, we have done that, but never with the music and stuff. So I'm not sure if that's what you're referring to. But, yeah, getting back to the study, it, it is pretty pretty idiotic type of a conclusion. Uh, I would think that that would be intuitively obvious that any type of uh, – drug that's going to be a sympathetomimetic type of uh, substance, uh, of course it's going to have a stimulatory type effect on the cardiovascular system. It's going to increase peripheral vascular resistance. It's going to decrease the, uh, the, the, the lumen that the uh, blood is refused through. In other words, it's going, to, it's going to cause vasoconstriction. It's going to cause an increase in heart rate, an increase in respiratory rate, and of course that's going to lead to acute cardiac type of uh, events. Yeah, I mean, this is an idea, and as I said, a fourth grader gets it. I mean, listen, caffeine, for instance, is, we know, an adrenal stimulant. People that, uh, for the most part, uh, consume to excess the caffeine, eventually they burn out their adrenals. They may not react to it at all, but initially, of course, it tends to elevate heart rate and blood pressure. It stimulates the adrenals. The adrenals also, the kidneys, relate a lot to blood pressure. And I'm thinking, you can't keep hammering that system with these stimulants, and this is going well beyond caffeine, with the Adderall, the the, the methylphenidate of, of Ritalin. And to, to not expect to be surprised, to actually need science to say, oh, yeah, maybe uh, we should rethink this. Yeah, it is uh, definitely qualifies as, as you say, the moment of duh. I, I think that there's a lot of other implications, neurological implications, that are going to be become more evident as time goes on, too, from the use of these drugs, which anybody, any doctor that's been using these drugs for any extended period of time knows that there's other issues besides, you know, what we just discussed. But uh, it is a very, very sad state of affairs because some of the damage that's done by these drugs is not damage that is easily uh, negated. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Now, if we uh, look at the uh, ADHDs of the world, the reason that they would even be giving drugs to a, 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 a so-called disease or syndrome that has no biomarkers, at least that they've acknowledged, you can't get take a blood test and say, oh, yeah, ADHD, let's give them some Ritalin. Uh, saliva tests, urine tests, stool samples. Now, you could use those tests. And Dr. Batar, you do use them clinically to determine other things that make sense. But there's no detecting saying, oh, my gosh, this kid is definitely deficient in Adderall when you do these biomarker tests. Nope, nothing like that. So we'll find out what you can find out with those biomarker tests. Those of you who want them, there are some things that could indicate, uh, hey, something's up, but definitely not a drug deficiency for your children. Stick around. we got one more segment. It goes fast when we're together, and it'll go even faster, but it'll be great when we're all together in Asheville, North Carolina. DRB, RSB, TMB, whatever Dr. Batar called it. Uh, we're going to be back with more powerful healing after this break. Check it out. All the links are up at robertscottbell.com. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the uh, things? 
It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. All right, we'll also have, uh, well, a lot of great folks will be together with us in Asheville, North Carolina, coming up uh, 18th or 20th, not this weekend, but the next in Asheville. Uh, Dr. Bittar, we're going to be there, uh, TMB, Rumble in the Jungle, whatever, <laughs> of North Carolina. It's going to be fun. And uh, Paul Bertiero, a good buddy, would talk about structured water, ionizing, alkalizing as well. And Dr. King is hosting it from King Bio. Um, mercury, of course, are you going to be talking mercury? Because you, you've got, I think, a CME-type uh, discussion with a lot of the physicians that are going to be attending there, Dr. Bittar. Yeah, um, we're going to be talking about metals in general, not necessarily just mercury, but we're going to be talking about metals. Okay. Well, there's a story here, Natural News put this out, uh, about high-fructose corn syrup. And uh, evidently, Super Don, how many teaspoons or tablespoons, how, many, how much high-fructose corn syrup is the average American eating a day? That would be 12. The average American consumes roughly 12 tablespoons of high-fructose corn syrup a day. So in those 12 tablespoons, depending on the source of the high-fructose corn syrup, it can contain uh, trace amounts of mercury. But as we know, Dr. Batar, trace amounts of mercury are much more potent than trace amounts of almost anything else. Well, that's true. Yeah, from a homeopathic principle, you're absolutely right. Uh, there have been some studies actually done where they looked at lead, for example, and they found that lead in lower doses was actually more significant at reducing IQ than in higher levels. Uh, and that may sound initially counterintuitive, but that's really uh, a very common thing that um, they've found with a number of these different metals. And obviously you can talk more about this from a perspective from homeopathy. So Yeah, and depending on, of course, the production of these metals can be used to stimulate the, the metabolism of the body, the cellular intelligence, to target and help to remove it. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't discount the fact that we need minerals, we need things to help carry it out. You can't just do it in a vacuum, but we certainly know that the energy, the communication of the body is non-chemical in so many ways. So, you know, just change your belief and watch it change physical matter, material in your body. So that's real as well. But it, it does concern me, of course, we're not fans of high fructose corn syrup in any form because it's all coming from GMO corn as well. But to have the added uh, detriment of, of mercury coming in with it, all the more reason to stay away from this stuff. Yeah, absolutely, Robert. I think that that's one of the things that um, as... as um we as a society start to become more observant, and as time goes on, I think that we're going to end up seeing more people, more more um, more people become more adamant at making sure that they are uh, taking effective steps to prevent this from at least their own children. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about initially, you know, with the food aspects and some of these other things. As more people become aware of some of these facts, and that's what obviously you and I are trying to do more mm -hmm. people will become adamant that their children are not being exposed to heavy metals, high fructose corn syrup, you know, the, the basic GMO-type food substances, etc. So it's actually indicative of all the different aspects we've really talked about today. Yeah, uh, listen, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And mercury, I, I truly believe also, is one of those things that in the body it can alter, let's say, a bright, shining soul that comes into this body and is contaminated with heavy metals mercury uh, can alter the way that they would interact with the world. And we've seen this. You've covered it extensively. You've written about it. You've, you've, you've lectured around the world on the issue. So when we come back to the violence issue as well, we, as part of the concern of the families, and you've helped them behaviorally as well to address this, 
the the violence that plays out in some of these children who have been vaccine injured. Yeah, um, you know what? It's it's very interesting that in modern medicine, that if you treat an individual, an adult or a child, without getting adequate consent, it's considered assault. Yet, when a parent is uh, parents' wishes are ignored when they say, I don't want my child to be vaccinated, and the doctor goes ahead and vaccinates them. The medical boards don't do anything. In North Carolina, it's been case in point. A, a mother uh, filed a complaint in, um, in, in court as well as with the medical board that a doctor in North Carolina gave her child vaccines after she had specified that she did not want these vaccines given. And the medical board didn't do anything. They said it's not a big deal. But had you done that with any other aspect, they would have called that assault because you treated the individual without getting consent. And so, you know, when you talk about the fact that this is this is violence against the individual, you're, you're absolutely correct. It is, there's no difference between doing something like this and beating a child up. In fact, beating a child up is not nearly as detrimental or as damaging because at least, you know, the child will recover from, the, from being beaten up, whereas how is a child going to recover from the neurological implications from... Yeah, you're talking about a non-mysterious acute injury, which we don't endorse either, by the way, to the subtle chronic injury that they claim no responsibility for in modern medicine. Hey, another great Advanced Medicine Monday. Uh, If you missed it, uh, check it out. Medical Rewind, also naturalnewsradio.com and our syndicator GCN. Dr. Batar, we'll we'll get together another Advanced Medicine before we get together in Asheville, North Carolina. So come on down, check it out. One more thing to say, Dr. Batar, you know what it is. That the power to heal is yours. Well said, my friend. The Robert Scott Bell Show.